Friends, pray with me now. Almighty God, we ask your blessing on this time of worship as we consider your call on our lives and as we hear your word proclaimed. May we be changed forever by our time in this place of worship. Amen. I'm changing things up a little bit this morning, as you can tell. Normally, we begin with our gospel reading or our scripture text for the day. I'm starting a new series today on the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and there's a lot in, uh, in this book. And so, of course, we're not going to be going through the entire book of Genesis. But I had an interesting thought this week that I might encourage you over the next five weeks or so to do just that, to read the whole book of Genesis. In the weekly this week, I'm going to put the texts that I'll be using for the next several weeks. Um, but I encourage you to try reading the whole thing. It's an enjoyable read. It's a very hard book, but I encourage you to do it. So this morning, though, we're going to begin with uh, the first chapter of Genesis. Friends, I actually have been thinking this week especially about how history is going to tell the story of this year. And I was thinking about it already at the beginning of the pandemic and, and all the things that were happening in our country, but the year isn't even half over yet. And it feels like in some ways this year could already fill the history books. And this has been good fodder for jokes, of course, but, but the reality is that so far, 2020 has been a year that has so much that many of us would like to forget. Sprinkled, of course, for many with strangely placed, wonderful life events. So yeah, I wonder how history will record it. I've asked that question before in life, and I don't know that I've ever asked it during a particularly upbeat time in our history. I haven't looked around me and asked that question actually most of my life, and I recognize the privilege in that statement that comes from being someone who has been relatively isolated from the impact of so much of the strife that our world experiences. In fact, as I consider just this aspect of our present reality that stems from the pandemic, I'm really realizing more and more that part of the anomalous nature of this pandemic is that even though we're each experiencing so many varieties of the impact, we're all experiencing something different as a result of it. We're experiencing something. It's inescapable. It's infiltrated all aspects of life in America and throughout the world. I joked recently that I hoped that scientists, you know, all those kids I went to school with who were at the top of our class and went to fancy science research universities and obtained PhDs, I said, I hope the scientists are spending all their waking hours in the labs trying to find a solution to this pandemic. We want a solution, and we want it yesterday, a cure, a vaccine, something. And I recognize that it is out of my control. I've talked about this before, but one of the things we're learning about this virus is that while we can't remove all risk, we've learned that we can do some things. Each individually, we can take these steps and we can collectively bring about some different results. Even though we can't solve it all, we can socially distance ourselves, we can worship from our living rooms, we can wear masks when we're out, we can do everything we can to try and keep vulnerable people home. 
we can rattle off the things we can do, even though we can't do the thing that needs to be done. And so we do these little things. Now, some people dismiss them. Some of you dismiss them, I'm sure. But most of us do these things in the hope that we can be a part of the solution or, or at least we can avoid being part of the problem. So while we wait and while we endure and while we are impatient, we do something. And these past few months have been exhausting. It's tiring, right? I've heard from many of you who are simply tired. Tired of social distancing, tired of the separation, tired of not doing the things you want to do. Maybe even a little tired of your children or having your spouse in the house or your grandchildren who you love so much, who've been around an awful lot. And yes, maybe you're even tired of puzzles, tired of masks, tired of waiting. Many of you are tired. But perhaps part of why it's so exhausting goes back to where I started. For most of us, we're not the scientists. We're not in the lab. We don't see ourselves as holding the keys to the locked doors that are keeping our lives at bay. You have no real control. And you don't know when it is going to end, or at times you don't know if it is going to end. This is exile. I want to take us back more than 2,500 years to about 600 years before Jesus. The Jewish people were living a pretty good life. Their religious and cultural life revolved around the temple in Jerusalem. The temple was believed to be the place in which God dwelt. And it was the place where all good things happened. This all changes when a series of major battles take place and the temple is destroyed and the people are sent away from their home to a place called Babylon. They're exiled in a foreign land. They've lost everything that gave them purpose. They are limited in their ability to get around, and they're a bit stranded. And they're not quite sure what's going to happen to them. But remember how I said I wondered how our own present time will be recorded? Our own present time and our current history will be recorded. The interesting thing about the Old Testament is that much of it was written during or around this relatively short period of about 70 years that the people were in exile. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 137, captures the emotion of the exiles as they think back to a time, perhaps even a time they've not themselves experienced when their people were in Zion, in Israel, in Jerusalem, a time when life was normal. By the rivers of Babylon, the psalmist writes, there we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song 
in a foreign land. How could we sing the Lord's song? The psalmist writes about exile. That feeling of thinking, how can we sing the Lord's song? How can we be happy now? And I think we are feeling a little bit of exile right now, a little bit about living in a strange time, in a strange land, feeling captive to an enemy, even an enemy we cannot see, but still an enemy in this pandemic that has left us feeling trapped and tired and waiting. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept. This is life in exile. And in exile, there's a grave temptation The world around the exiled Jews was taunting them, was telling them over and over again that their God had abandoned them. The Babylonians were tormenting them and mocking them and tearing at their faith. So in this time of exile, this time away from their their place of worship, when they wonder, how could we sing the Lord's song? Because they are away from the place they knew, the place where they were comfortable, away from their sanctuary. During this time of exile, it's awe-inspiring to me that some of the most familiar words of Scripture and certainly one of the most familiar texts of the Bible was written in the beginning. That's how the Bible starts, how Genesis starts. And these words from Genesis... The words of this first creation story, the one you're likely most familiar with, you know the one, the one with seven days and seven nights and God creating the heavens and the earth and everything that crawls on the earth. This is the first of two back-to-back very different creation stories. The second one is in Genesis chapter 2, and it was probably written about 500 years before chapter 1. So this familiar story from chapter 1 in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, it was written in this time of exile when the people needed a reminder of who they were, who God was, and who they were called to be in the world. They needed a reminder of God's creativity and God's imagination. They needed a reminder to look around them and see the fingerprints of God in the beauty and wonder of the world. They needed the reminder that although they were away from their place of sanctuary, they were not away from God. God who had created the world and God who had created them. And not just created them, but created them in God's image, created them, created us, created you and created me in the divine image to reflect God into the world, to reflect God to all all whom we encounter, to reflect God's love, God's justice, God's mercy. They needed the reminder 
that the God in whom they trusted, the God of their faith, the God of their worship, the God of their past and their present, and yes, the God of their future, was the God who repeatedly, over and over and over again in the creation story, says that God's work is good. God's work in creating you was good. God looks at you and says, you are good. And God looks at your neighbor and says, they are good. The more we learn about God, the more we try and seek to know God, the more we know and begin to understand who we then are to be in the world. The more we know of God and God's mercy, God's grace, God's love, God's justice, and God's faithfulness, the more we are able to live and reflect like a mirror back to God, God's wonderful goodness. This is what we're created to be. The exiles needed this reminder while their world was in chaos and while they were tired. They needed to be reintroduced or, or even introduced to God. And so we have this text that is the opening of our Bible, the first chapter of our scriptures. It isn't meant to be a science text. It isn't meant to be even a roadmap to how did creation even happen. But rather, this opening of our Bible, it's an introduction to the God of creation, the God who made you, who loves you, and who invites you into partnership in God's healing, restoring work in the world. As we respond to the world around us, as we watch the news, as we discuss issues that are uncomfortable for many, issues of white supremacy and racism, as we discuss these issues with our families, our friends, and our church, we'll do this recognizing the need for us to do so as followers of a God who created each person with the capacity to bring God's grace, mercy, and love into the world. And moreover, we do so knowing that we follow a God who loves each of the lives God has created, that God calls upon us to examine ourselves and do the hard work of knowing God so that we can live into our identity as ones created in God's image and in doing so that we might love others as God loves them. The exiles needed the reminder of who God was. think we need the reminder. We need the reminder in our strange time of exile and as we venture into a season, a new season, a season of reflection and action, we need the reminder. And like those people in exile, we have the gift of this reminder found in Genesis. Listen, my friends, for the word of God.
In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. God made the two great lights the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth, across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the water in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. 
So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast on the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and earth were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Israelites needed that reminder. I have a feeling we're going to need that reminder over and over again. The good news is it's the start of our Bible. We've also got it recorded now in the voices of people we know and love. I hope we remember this time in exile, after this is all over, when some sense of normalcy comes back to our lives and the pandemic is in our history books. I I hope we'll remember what it feels like. I hope we remember because all of those things we're experiencing now, the exhaustion, the frustration, the hope for a different future, These things, these feelings will all help us to better understand the stories of others. The stories of those in our country who have been marginalized, those who are suffering, those who are fighting for justice. If we can remember this time when we don't have all the answers to the problems, but when we could come together to try and learn how to not be the problem, And if we can remind one another that we follow the God whose love for us is beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension, beyond our definitions, beyond even our science and our quest for earthly truth, maybe then, maybe then we can look around us, look around the world, look into the eyes of others, look toward the heavens and know that God calls us, God calls all of us and all of it good.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.